because when you have all these institutions looking at the numbers like we are, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. But again, it goes back to that narrow market of performing stocks. It's very, very narrow. And, and this is why you have the majority of hedge funds, you know, over 90% of all hedge funds were underperformed the S&P over the last 12 years. a regular gym routine. When was the last time you checked on your financial fitness? If you're feeling like you're falling behind, Ed Sedell is here to help with The Retirement Trainer, a podcast about helping you get into better financial shape. Every week, Ed talks about things you need to know to become more financially fit for your future. Learn about things like how much money will you need, financial mistakes other people often make, and how you can avoid them. Plus, details on The Retirement Fitness Plan, a plan Ed personally created to help you get to and through retirement by focusing on five key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan when you visit egsifinancial.com and click on processes. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to The Retirement Trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. It's The Retirement Trainer with Ed Sedala, a podcast about finding ways to help you become financially fit for your future, no matter what financial shape you're in now. The S&P is officially in a bull market. Volatility is low. Tech companies are on the rise again. Is it time to go all in or is this a buyer beware situation? Does my situation dictate how I should invest or is it the same for everyone? What should I do? This is Lee Hansadell, and here to help us with all our questions and give us some guidance to stay in the best financial shape possible, the retirement trainer, Ed Sedell. Hi, Ed. Hey, Leanne. What's going on? Crazy market, right? Yeah. I'm going to just give a warning. We listen to everybody every morning. We have it rolling in our office all day long. <laughs> and I will tell you, uh, there are times when I just want country music on there. I do not want to listen to any more like offsetting pundits saying one thing or the other, but... Including me, right? You get tired of me talking <laughs> no, and but rattling. It, but it is interesting to listen. You could get very frustrated at this stage in the game. Overwhelmed. Like, am I missing out? I mean, that fear of missing out is so like big right now. And so you have clients all over that want those 15 and 20% returns that we were experiencing in the past. I think I'm safe to say you're one of those ones that will come in and say, hey, volatility is, is so bad for a retirement plan all the way through and through. It's just, it causes more problems than anybody could possibly understand. So yeah, yeah. So all right. So let's let's explain what volatility is and why it's important. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. good so call. so volatility. All right, I'm going to get in the weeds a little bit. It's um, standard deviation. Right. Everyone says it's a measure of risk, but it's really a measure of volatility. So standard deviation is how much can an average return deviate, either up or down, move right, from the average return. So if the average rate of return is 7%, I'm just using arbitrary numbers, and the standard deviation is... 17. Oh. Well, yeah, well, well, actually, yeah, I mean, that's, that's no. not... Uh, but we'll just say 10 to make the math easy, okay? okay? So that means it could deviate as much as, you know, you could earn as much as 17%, okay? Or you could lose as much as 3%. 
But here's the thing, right? So that's one standard deviation. Or you can go out two. So one standard deviation, there's a 68% probability that it's correct. You can go out uh, two standard deviations, all right, and it's, you know, 95% correct. And you can go out three, and now all of a sudden it's 99% correct. So this is the math. This is the formula. So if you have 10%, and this is why this is so important, if you have 10% standard deviation, in order to have that correct, you're really looking at 30%, right? So you could see a return as high as 37% or a loss as great as minus 23%. (laughs) So that's the swing. That's a variable. And so when you look at the average volatility or standard deviation, the move from the average rate of return in for the S&P 500, the average here this year, it's 18%. So now imagine that going out, you know, not once or twice, but, you know, times three. So you're, you're seeing these, these huge swings. So that's one side of the equation. The other side is the volatility index, uh, the VIX. They also call it the fear index. It's from the Chicago Board of Exchange. This is where they trade options. It's the futures market. And so the VIX is, the volatility index is based on options. You know, when people, they buy and sell, they're betting on the market going up, they're betting on the market going down. And when you have more people betting on the market going down, then the volatility index goes up. The higher it is, the more volatile it is. And when you have more people betting on the market going up instead of down, the VIX, the volatility index goes down. So today is, what is today? Today is the 12th. The 12th, Monday the 12th. Okay, so I was looking at it. It was um, it was under 14. I, I haven't seen it in the 13s in a very, 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 very long time. Why is that important? Because, again, the S&P, okay, just broke into a bull market territory. So it broke even and started making money again. Okay, so everything that I lost last year regained. We're going to come back to that, why that's important. All right. And then you have the NASDAQ. So the NASDAQ is up pushing 27%. Last I looked right before we came in here to record this at uh, 3.30 in the afternoon. But it's still at a significant loss from last year because it was down so much. Why am I bringing those two up? The Russell 2000, that's doing great. I mean, it's it had a breakout month in, in May as well. But let's focus on the S&P and the NASDAQ. So the S&P is 500 is based on 500 companies, right? 500 stocks. There are approximately 20 stocks that are making it positive this year, which means there are approximately 480 stocks that are dragging it down, but it's those 20 stocks that are making it positive, All right? So it's a very, very narrow path. As we discussed, those are also the same companies that had large layoffs. A lot of them are. They, they did. They, you're absolutely right. A lot of them. Not all of them, but most of them have very, very strong balance sheets, okay? Whereas the NASDAQ, I mean, you're looking at less than 10 companies that are making up the staggering growth in the NASDAQ this year. And a lot of those are way overvalued, okay? And there are two schools of thought. So the school of thought, number one, is, you know, if you look at the that very linear instead of the, the broadening path of many stocks making a run for it, and it's only just a couple, the bull market says, well, you know, it always starts off very linear, very narrow, Okay. And then, and then, you know, that's the struggle. And once it breaks through, then it's going to grow and widen and broaden, and then more companies are going to be able to participate. And that is absolutely true. The other school of thought is when it's really narrow and narrowly focused like this, and the VIX, the volatility index is so low, like it is right now, it's very reminiscent of what happened right before the tech bubble. And so really what this is showing us is 
we're, we're reaching critical capital mass in the market. And some people are, you know, are the school of thought is, hey, let's go ahead and, you know, sell in the, into the rally right now on those stocks that are a little speculative and, uh, you know, take some profits um, because everything's going to come crashing down, which is also true because both have happened in the past. So everyone always says, Ed, what do I do? Right? <laughs> what, what, what should I do? I mean, everyone's situation is different. Okay, it's all based on risk. It's a budget. How much can you mathematically afford to lose and still enjoy life and be able to retire versus how much can you lose to still be able to sleep at night? That's the budget, right? And when things are going great, the budget's huge. And when things are going a little sideways and you're, it's a little unnerving, you know, that budget gets pretty tight. So it's a hedge. You can't be all out of the market. You got to have something in right now because if it is a bull market, you want to be able to participate a little bit. Okay. But what's a little bit look like to the average, the average investor? That's a great question. It depends. I mean, it really depends on you. Okay. So you can't, with a broad stroke, say everyone should do this because everyone's situation is different. How much debt do they have? What, what lifestyle, you know, do they have? What do they need to be able to enjoy life? All these different things. And how much mathematically can they really risk? And so what does that hedge look like? And it really is completely dependent on each individual person. If you're looking at, you know, those stocks like that are involved in AI, that is the new buzzword. Everybody loves it. I mean, look at NVIDIA. You know, it hit $411 a share, you know, at one point in time. And a year ago, I think it was selling for, you know, $129. Um, I think today it's down to $380 something, which is still 160% increase. So do you invest everything in AI? Do you like in Microsoft and Google? And, you know, they do have strong balance sheets, you know, but are they oversold? Are they overbought? The PE ratios are extremely high. I think Apple's the only one that's got like this consistent every two years, everybody needs to upgrade there. So they, they, they kind of, they've got the corner of the market when it comes to, you know, our cell phone use and, and that we're going to continue to buy. For the well, most no, part. you're exactly right. And, <laughs> and so, you know, sustainability. Yeah. I mean, that's really what you're saying. You know, who has the staying power and how much cash do these companies have on hand to withstand you know, a downfall. Well, like you said, you've got all these companies that have been laying off. Meta has been laying off like crazy. Amazon has been laying off. You know, all these big, you know, tech companies have been laying off. And, you know, when you look at AI right now, is it important? Yes. Should it be part of a portfolio? Possibly, depending on your situation right now. But I think a lot of the AI that we're seeing right now, at least from everything, the, the data that I've reviewed and evaluated and and things that I've read is it's more about efficiency of a company. I don't think this is breakout where, you know, hey, next year AI is going to be driving cars and, you know, we're all going to be out of work. That could be down the road. I'm not saying that it's not, but I don't see that in the very near future. Well, and you see in the tech world, they're bringing everybody back in house again, which I didn't expect. You saw now, Productivity. Now, now they want them back in their chair in that office building because they have seen both uh, production going way down, way and down, you know, worker yeah. productivity. And you know, today, right, I was I was asked, okay, so what sectors, what makes sense? And and again, you know, being in those indices that have value type companies, in you know, manufacturing, you know, those companies and those sectors that have been hit really, really hard over the last year and recently. But travel is going back it's up travel's again. going back up. Um, but, you know, manufacturing, you know, when we look at manufacturing, the PMI numbers, they were way down last month, you know, at the, the last quarter. And, you know, so kind of starting to look at that um, utilities, healthcare, energy, 
you know, even, you know, gas and oil right now, I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I was high. I was really big on that at the beginning of the year. And I thought with China opening up and, you know, I just didn't see the, the global slowdown. And even with the, the cut in production that OPEC continues to put forth, it really hasn't affected. I mean, prices keep coming down. I, I think that it was down. I, I didn't look within the last couple hours, but at one point it was down at, you know, um, $67 a barrel. So even though demand is down and or I mean, even though they're cutting production, demand is down globally. Right. There's a global slowdown. Now may be a, a good time to, to start actually looking, you know, the Exxon's and Oxy and in those types of companies. I mean, Warren Buffett has a huge stake in, in Occidental Pete right now, you know, because they're strong. They've got good balance sheets. They're paying dividends. And, you know, they're, I don't wouldn't say that they're on sale, but they're a little bit better buys than they were this time last year. Well, more, the, the Lancaster Colony, I mean, there you go. Lancaster you, you, you Colony, got, I mean, Kimberly ca- Clark, yeah, you know, I mean, those companies, Staples, right? Those things, manufacturing, those things that people need, even uh, when things are going a little south, right? Which, and, and that's the other thing, too. It almost feels like the American consumer, out of sheer will, we're going to spend our way out of this. I know that sounds ridiculous. We just talked about consumer credit you know, in the last podcast, and we're hitting, you know, one and a quarter trillion dollars in, in credit card debt. But, you know, it feels like we're just, no matter what is going to happen, it doesn't really matter. When you look at the fundamentals and everything else, you know, it's reality is going to be circumvented by hopes and dreams, and they're just going to push right through it. Well, and I don't want to be like that naysayer out there of all things, but sometimes I think there's a, you know, when we talk about the fundamentals not being followed and we talk about the fact that it doesn't look like it has in the past, you start to wonder, like, you know, not as many people are, they're plugging into certain (laughs) pieces and not, it's the way you get your news. The way you get your information is all different now. And I think a lot of times we all used to follow suit with, you know, the one guy got on the news and said, things are going to be bad. We all thought the same thing. Things are going to be bad. Now you got 15 that are saying things are going to be bad. And you got 15 that are saying, oh my gosh, this is great. Get in there and buy. So I I, I now think that you looking at what's going to happen in the fundamentals that where you used to be able to like go, oh, this, this, and this equals this. I don't see that happening like that anymore. Well, because the retail investors have access, you know, I mean, the Every guy, every day lady traders. next door, day traders. Yeah. I mean, look at GameStop. So it, it was the retail investors, not institutional like us, retailers, investors that said, ah, yeah, we're not doing And they drove the price up from whatever it was, less than $10 a share to over $400 a share. And, you know, and it's way back down and it's kind of kicking back up a little bit. But I mean, it was way, way, way down here just earlier this year. And it's the same concept because when you have all these institutions looking at the numbers like we are, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. But again, it goes back to that narrow market of performing stocks. It's very, very narrow. And, and this is why you have the majority of hedge funds, you know, over 90% of all hedge funds were underperformed the S&P over the last 12 years. In retail investors, you know, are they have a say. And it's more momentum type trading than fundamental type trading. And so, you know, going back to so you asked the question, uh, where is it here, you know, what dictates how I should be invested? You know, is it the same for everyone? The answer is no. Going back to having a plan. So Warren Buffett, I use this quote all the time. It's, I, I, I love this thing, right? You would be crazy to risk what you have for something you don't need, right? And, 
you know, having the right kind of money market funds and, and having enough in the market for your situation so that if it is a bull market, you're not messing it on the way up. But if things do kind of come crashing down, you're, you are protected and you can get out really quick with, you know, without a lot of damage. It, but it's that plan that's going to dictate, you know, what you should be invested in and how you should be invested based on what your goals are. This is how much money I want for retirement. This is how much money I need for retirement. And they're two different numbers, right? So need is food, shelter, clothing. Okay. One is live the, the life in retirement that, that I've always dreamt of. All right. And this is what you work for your entire life. So how much money do you need for that? And so that you can enjoy retirement and that's going to dictate, okay, based on that, what should I be invested in? Because, I mean, think of it this way. If you're below the line, okay, you're in the financial red at retirement, do you really want to risk whatever you have left, right, to have the ideal retirement and, you know, do everything that you want to do? Because imagine, right, if you were in that situation and you were in Bitcoin in 2021 and all of a sudden it dropped 70% and you were using that money to live on. Now, it has come back, but nothing to where it was, where, where it was in the high 60s, you know, 66,000. Retirement you know, a ends really quickly there. Back to work. Back to work. Um, That's so exactly you, it. So you, you got to know, buyer beware, right? You really need to know kind of where you're at, what you're doing, and have a plan in place and, and taking the risk that you should be taking and not taking uh, extreme risk and, and putting yourself and your family in danger. And we tend to do these market recaps pretty frequently. Um, we have uh, events here called Thirsty Thursdays that we invite both clients and those that are not clients to come join us. We have some food and some drink. And a lot of times we bring some outside speakers in, but Ed will do a market recap. We've had to do market recap quite a bit lately, <laughs> just because everybody wants to know what you're thinking and, and where we're going from there. So I do want to put out that invitation to Thirsty Thursdays. They start back again in August. And if you want more information about that, you can go to our website at egsifinancial.com. You can call the office and speak to Tammy or myself or Becky at 614-526-4118. Or you can send us an email at info at egsifinancial.com. But keep out on the lookout for that and uh, come on in. We'd love to meet you face-to-face. -face. Absolutely. If you're, if, you're, if you're a listener, we'd love to meet you face-to-face. -face. Thanks, Ed. All right. Thanks, Leanne. <laughs> you tested your fitness level, not your workout routine. I'm talking about your financial endurance, because if saving to a 401k is the extent of your effort, it is time for you to start shaping up. And Ed Sedell is here to help you do that with the retirement trainer. It's his podcast to help you examine your financial stamina and learn the questions you should be asking and areas to focus on to help you get to that place you've been working so hard for a happy, comfortable retirement. And it's not as hard as some might have made you believe. Ed's broken it down into five Five simple steps. It's the retirement fitness plan, which he personally created to help clarify key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan at egsifinancial.com. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to the retirement trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. Investment advisory services offered through EGSI Investment Management, DBA EGSI Financial Group, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through EGSI Financial Services, Inc., Ohio license number 102061. Nine.